right, so begin with a question. I know you guys are going to love this question. So how many of you, you can feel free to raise your hands. How many of you love being told what to do? <laughs> Liars. No, I'm kidding. All right, yeah, no hands almost. Uh, how many of you love being told that you're wrong? Okay. Online, feel free to put your hands up in the chat or something, you know, hey, like, all right, yeah, not many people, not many hands were flying up during that, you know, well, I remember when I was playing video games with my kids, like younger, I don't, I'm horrible at them anyway, so I don't even try anymore, but back in the day, we would play video games sometimes, and when we were playing, um, sometimes I would be losing, and I'm like, wait a minute, I should be winning because they're five years old, okay, something's wrong here, and so I would internally, like, something, I, I would begin questioning, and um, I would get frustrated because, like, I'm pushing the buttons, I'm pushing the buttons, and then I would begin to blame the buttons, and then I would begin to blame in the, the game system, the TV, then I begin to get angry with my, like, you're cheating somehow, aren't you? What are you doing? Like, some, I'm hitting the button, but they're not passing it. They're not shooting it. Why won't you do this, right? And I was encouraging. I was excited. I wasn't angry. I was just getting excited, right? And eventually, depending upon which child was playing the game at the time, you know, they would eventually tell me, Dad, you're hitting the wrong buttons, a does this, B does that. Dad, I have to tell you this every single time we play. Why don't you remember this? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Why didn't you tell me 20 minutes ago? Because <laughs> we've been playing for a long time, right? Like, I don't like being told what to do until it helps me, right? And it's funny. I still don't like being told what to do, even though I know that it's going to be helpful until it's helpful. Then I want to be told what to do. The reason I'm saying this is because this is just has nothing to do with anything other than it's true. It doesn't matter the other person. They could be telling me something in a very loving way. They could be giving me the most amazing information. The truth is, all of us, our default is, I do not like being told what to do. We always go into it. My wife tells me how to cut carrots. Hey, Mark, that's... It's taking you an hour. Would you just do this? I'll tell you, make your life better. I don't care about cutting carrots. I don't care about carrots. I don't care about cutting in general until she tells me I'm doing it the wrong way. And in that moment, you know what the truth is? Like, I'm going to cut my way. I'm doing it. I'm cutting my way. I don't care what you say. Knowing that her way is going to be better, it will save me time. I'm sure that she's right. I don't care. Watch this. Why are we like that? It's just true, though. So we have to recognize this before we get into this conversation. Zach was a kid who grew up in proximity to God. Normal kid. He grew up in proximity to God. Was very close to God. People around him knew about God. He probably heard about God a whole lot. Probably even had conversations about God a lot in his life. But even though he was in proximity to God, he couldn't be further away from God. Until the day he met Jesus, right? So he meets Jesus. And the crazy thing is Jesus stops, notices him, has a conversation with him. Of all the people, he picks Zach. Hey, I want to talk to you. And then he actually invites himself to his home, right? So all the church people out there are probably catching on. It's Zacchaeus, but this is Zach. And Jesus said, let me come to your house. I'd love to have a meal with you. And so he says, yes. He comes to his house. And at that meal that Zacchaeus is providing, Jesus challenges him. Hey, I think you're pushing the buttons Pushing the wrong buttons, man. I got a better life for you. Don't know if he wanted it. He's just like you and I. He probably doesn't like being told he was wrong. But something happened and he said yes. And he began to trust Jesus. And when he trusts Jesus, I want you to know this is what Jesus said in that moment. Luke chapter 19, today's salvation has come into this house. 
This man, too, is a son of Abraham. When he said, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus never taught that sharing your faith is a private thing, that faith is a private thing not to be shared. Jesus actually described the world as darkness and people were lost. And he cared enough to come and he called himself the light. He was the answer because everybody was trying to find this light. And we just try it through religion and we try it through busying ourselves. We try it through career and success. If I'm good at something, then that means I'm valuable. Through relationships, if somebody loves me, that means I'm valuable. Through purpose, through being useful. But it just never satisfies. And so Jesus said, but I have exactly what you need. And I get it. You don't care. You don't trust me yet. You don't want to hear it. But I have to come because you need it. He did it. So he came. And for us as Christians, he's actually commanded us to do that as well. He says in Matthew 28, Jesus gives us this great commission, this command, right? Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Why do we struggle with this one so much? If you're not a Christian, listen, I get it. We, we, we are. We're difficult people sometimes. Why is it that we have more excuses not to do that thing? than reasons to trust Jesus, right? I mean, don't we say this is a life? Jesus gives us the life that's greater than any other life. I mean, Jesus is worth, he's trustworthy. And then he tells me this one thing, hey, by the way, go tell people about it. And I'm like, well, if I have that gifting, if I have that skill set, no, not today. It's crazy, isn't it? We have more excuses. And yet we get frustrated with people who don't want to hear what we have to offer. (laughs) Trust me, it's amazing. It's life-changing, don't really trust him in this one. It's weird, isn't it? Why do we struggle with that? Because we're still humans and we're selfish. Man, I am a selfish individual and so are you. We're selfish people. We think about ourselves more than anything else and so we always come up with more reasons to not do something that we're told to do than reasons to do it. We spend more time worrying about what we shouldn't do or we don't want to do than just doing it and we'd be better at it. The truth is, Jesus commanded us to go. There's only two things you can't do in heaven. Why didn't Jesus just zap us when we say yes to Jesus and take us to heaven? Two things. One, you can't sin in heaven. And two, you can't tell people about Jesus because everybody's already there. Which one do you think he left us on this earth to do? That's why our big idea is this today. It's really simple. Be a soul winner and share your faith. That's why South Point existed from the very beginning, to win down river to Christ for those that don't know the gospel, to give them a chance to hear the gospel in a way that they can understand it, in a loving, compassionate way. Jesus' first charge or question to his earliest disciples was, come follow me, right? Leave your nets, leave your fishing, leave your careers, and come follow me. Trust me. Come follow me so that you can become catchers of people, fishers of men and women, right? Soul winners to go share this gospel with other people so that they can have what you have found. Trust me enough to now go like I came to you. Trust me enough to go with me. Outside of the life that Jesus offers, like the benefits of obedience in this life, the peace and the joy and the things that come with life in Christ, I don't know if there's a better thing to experience than watching someone, being a part of someone saying yes to Jesus, being part of their salvation story. It's it's absolutely amazing, invigorating, exciting, miraculous, all kinds of things. Why is it that so few Christians share our faith? Why is it that so few Christians have actually walked one person to faith in Christ? Well, it's not lack of Jesus. He commanded us. 
So are we saying that he hasn't prepared us, equipped us to do what he's asked us to do? I don't think we would say that. I think we're just finding excuses. Or we're thinking about ourselves way too much. I do. So how do we do this? We're going to talk about it. One, you got to witness with your testimony. Sometimes we forget about this. Your testimony isn't just your words, it's what you do. And the first and most important things you do as a believer, as a Christian, is to live an obedient lifestyle. If you live an obedient lifestyle, then you're going to experience the benefits and consequences that come with obedience. We've said that before Jesus, we've lived for ourselves and we suffer the consequences of our poor decisions. And once we are obedient to Jesus, then we begin to experience the life that comes with Jesus. So obedience is the number one thing that we are called to do and we have to do. And as you live an obedient lifestyle, not just I'm a Christian who's saved, but I'm a Christian who's saved but is actively living an obedient lifestyle. I'm saying yes to everything that I know to say yes to and I'm saying no to everything that I'm saying. I'm actively living an obedient lifestyle. I personally begin to experience, like internally I'm experiencing all the benefits, the peace, joy, love, all that kind of stuff, but also externally I'm experiencing those benefits and those consequences as well. And when I begin to experience them externally, people around me begin to see it. See, I look no different than anyone else when I'm just like internally, I'm thankful that I've got Jesus, but externally I'm not being obedient. So why would anyone care what I have to offer or look at me any different? But if you're a believer, then you have a testimony. Jesus has changed your life, right? And if he hasn't, it's not because Jesus didn't do something, it's because I'm not living obedient lifestyle. And as I'm living an obedient lifestyle, my life should stand out, not in a weird kind of creepy way, but in a good way. Like, wow, how do you have that? Like, all of this stuff is going on around you, and yet you're still okay? Like, you got peace and whatever, all this. How does that work? So the goal isn't to live in such a way that I win people. The goal is to just be obedient. And as I'm being obedient, God does what only God can do, and he draws people to that. People get to see the difference, and then, hopefully, they'll ask the question, like, dude, what's different? What is this thing? i got to know more about it. And that's the moment Peter says you better be ready to respond. First Peter 3. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness, respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. A couple things right there. One, understand what you're responsible to answer. You are responsible to be ready. You are responsible to be ready to give the answer for the hope that you have and why you have it. The hope that you have, that's the faith in Jesus Christ. So why do you have hope? What is the hope that you have? And then why do you have faith in that hope? That's what you are required and expected to be able to respond to. Not every single question and argument that anyone may ever propose to you, but those two right there. So don't, like, I've got an excuse, right? See, we get an excuse right off the bat. Well, I can't answer everyone's questions, so I better not share anything. God never said be ready for every single answer question that everyone, anyone ever asks you. He says be ready to respond for the hope that you have and why you have it. So have we, are we ready for that? Have we been thinking about that, preparing for that? Do we even pray for opportunities for that? And then two, he says, it's not just about how you, and not what you say, it's how you say it. Are you gentle? Are you loving? Is it from a kind heart? Or do you, this person is your enemy somehow that you must win over. <laughs> like they're on the dark side and I've got to win them over to the good side. Like why? God said very clearly in scripture that people's not our enemy. It's not the person that's the enemy. It's unseen spiritual enemies that we have. That's our enemy, not this person. This person is not someone to overcome, someone to defeat, someone to beat up. No, this person is someone that you're supposed to love and you're just sharing something with them. Listen, they're going to be just like you probably. Anybody's going to be just like me. Probably don't want to listen to you. All right, fine. 
That's not my job to make someone listen to me, to make you do what I want you to do. My job is just to share with you what I've been given. That's it. And oftentimes I don't because I don't care enough. Or the person begins to be someone, the object that I have to change. That's not what he said. You can't win anyone to Christ. Only God can do that work. But we have a part to play in it because we've joined him in this mission of seeking and saving the lost. Timothy said this to Paul. I mean, Paul said this to Timothy, his young protege, his disciple. 2 Timothy 1, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Understand, they were saying, people were saying nasty things about Paul, things that were not true, and that then corresponds, that means your gospel is not trustworthy. And so Paul said, hey, listen, Timothy, trust the testimony of our Lord. You know Jesus, you know what Jesus has done, trust that. You know what he's done in your life, trust that. Trust it. Sometimes we say, well, that's only for the professionals, right? Ministers, evangelists, missionaries, people like that. That's who are supposed to go and tell the world. But that's not what Jesus said. He didn't say all the missionaries go, all the preachers go, all the evangelists go. He says, no, go. Every single believer, go. And as you go, that's what that means, as you go in your normal everyday life, go, share your faith, make disciples. There is no caveat there. It's not for just the elite. It's for everyone. Once again, not because I have to answer every single question, because I'm supposed to be faithful to just share a story. Some people say, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. And you're 100% accurate, correct. Scripture does list evangelism as one of the gifts of the Spirit. No doubt about it. Does that mean the rest of us are off the hook? Of course not. Because once again, Jesus did not say all those that have the gift of evangelism, all of us are called to go and make disciples. It just simply means that some of us maybe more naturally are gifted at it. Some say that every church is about 10% of people that have the gift of evangelism. How much, what would happen to the world if only the 10% or only a few ministers were trying to win the world to Christ? It wouldn't happen. God says every single one of us. You don't have to be gifted. You don't have to have a certain personality. Listen, remind, your, remind yourselves or let's remind ourselves of what Jesus said to his disciples, Acts chapter 1. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my what? My defense attorneys? my professors, my salesmen or women? No, my witnesses. What's a witness? It's telling what you've seen, what I've witnessed, right? And then we begin not to complicate it because that's just the, the fancy way we say it to justify what I do. What I'm doing is I'm just making excuses for not doing what I've been asked to do because I don't like to be told what to do. It's, it's really simple. I'm supposed to be a witness. But then I turn it into something else and say, well, I can't. Well, I'm not. Well, that person, well, what if? Listen, this is one of the most encouraging, freeing things ever because, like, if I'm called to be a witness, you know what that means? That means I am the world's foremost expert on this guy. There ain't nobody who's thought about this guy more than me. (laughs) There's nobody that's spent more time on this guy than me in a selfish way and maybe even in a good way. I am the world's expert on me. On my story, I can tell that. I can do that. You can do that. My goodness, you spend enough time thinking about yourself, putting your story together. You can tell your story. What have you witnessed? It's powerful. He's called us to be his witnesses. And yet, even though he said, be my witnesses, we still make excuses. Like, I don't know. And then again, what is an unbelieving and a non-Christian? Like, I get it. Like, it seems like we're just trying to win you. Instead of just being a friend to you. My kids weren't trying to win me over. They were just saying, Dad, obviously you're struggling here, buddy. Let me tell you which buttons to push. You know what actually happened when my kids told me that? 
they gave me the right buttons and I began to cream them. Like I took over, man. Like, yeah, now we're back in the right order. Like things are the way it should be. Yeah, I'm just destroying you. So actually they sacrificed for their dad. That's pretty wild, isn't it? And yet we don't. Here's a very practical thing that everybody should do if you have not already done. doesn't matter if you're a believer or non-believer. Well, believer or new believer. Here's what everybody should do. It's super practical. Write down your story. Literally write it down. Type it out if you want to. On your phone, on your computer, write it with pencil, pen, whatever. Write out your story. And it's really simple to write your story. It's three different sections. The before, the how, the after. The before, the how, the after. Your before is before Jesus. So what were you like before Jesus? What did you live for? What was your passion, your desires? What were the struggles that you had? What were the consequences from some of the things that you did? What were the things that you were disappointed in? All that, what were you like before Jesus? How? How did you meet Jesus? How did that happen? Did someone introduce you? Did it come through? Were you looking? I don't, how did it happen? And then what did your life look like after Jesus? Even if you've only known Jesus, like you said yes a day ago, a week ago, what has it looked like since you said yes to Jesus? What has your life looked like? What's the difference between then and now? What are the thoughts that are coming through your mind? What are the struggles you still have? What are the benefits from it, right? You're writing it down. And write as much as you want to write down, and then you can whittle it down. You're going to, end up, you're going to want to end up with a 30-second version, <laughs> And then a longer version, three to four minutes. Not everybody wants to hear your whole life story, okay? So just kind of, if you get a moment, be ready for the 30-second version of your story. And then you can always say, hey, if you'd like to know more, tell me. Could you, are you ready to give your 30-second story? And if you're not, do that. And if you're not, if you haven't done that, I'm telling you, if you're not in this small group, you got to get in a small group. I, I, don't know, I don't know a better place that this stuff happens. you got to get in a small group because that's the kind of place where you can bounce this off. I can say that to my small group of guys, and they can be like, oh, yeah, you probably don't want to say that, Mark. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, you're right. You know what? They can help me before I go make a fool of myself outside of this. They can help me, right? I can practice it, get up my nerve a little bit. Like, oh, okay, I've said it. Now I can say it again. If you don't have a small group, then who do you have? Hopefully you have some believers in your life. I don't know. You just got to try it. Wing it with Hey, that's okay. You don't have to practice. You can get into the practice by going and telling, but a small group helps. What about those questions that people ask you? You don't know how to answer it, right? That's okay. First and foremost, understand when someone asks you a question that you don't know, especially about faith or Jesus, I want you to begin to think this way. Instead of thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to butcher this. I have no clue. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a horrible person, whatever. Begin with this thought. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for this opportunity. Because that's exactly what it is. It's an opportunity. It is a working of the Holy Spirit that someone would take time from their life to stop thinking about themselves, stop thinking about all the things, and they're asking you a question about the living God. Don't take that for granted. And don't make it about you. You see, we make it about me. I make it about me when I say, oh, gosh, well, I can't answer that. Or it's my job that, oh, if I don't say this the right way, right? I don't know why I'm backing that, walking like a penguin right now. But (laughs) we make it about us. It's so, we just do. It's not about me, Mark. It's about this person. It's about what God is doing in this person's life. So first and foremost, get into the habit of anytime anyone asks you anything about God, thank you, God. If your kids ask you a question, even if they ask you in the most disrespectful tone, thank you, God. You can talk about the disrespectful tone later. Thank you, God. It's an opportunity. Do you see it as an opportunity? See, if you don't see it as an opportunity, you're going to see it as something about you, and you're going to either make a, you're going to make a mistake, 
but then we make it about us. Then go get the answer. And if you're in a small group, guess what? You got people to talk to. Hey, guys, this person asked me this question. I have no clue what they're talking about. Have you heard about this? Oh, great. You got people that can help you out. If you don't have a small group, then, hey, it's okay. Go do some research. Start reading some books. Go online. There's lots of resources. Doing some research. Read to find some answers. Don't feel like you have to answer the question in the moment. Say, I don't know that. Great question. Can I get back to you on that? You see, if you don't see this as an opportunity, then you're going to make it about us. And are you praying about those opportunities? Listen, don't think that I'm not afraid when I share my story or I talk to people about Jesus. I'm just as afraid as some of you are. And yes, there have been times when I didn't share my story because out of fear. All I can tell you is this. I'm never, I never regret, I've never regretted and you'll never regret trying. Even if it doesn't go the way you thought, you won't regret trying. You will regret not trying. Because it's a person. And what you have is what they need. It's not your job to get them to do it. It's just my job to share what I've witnessed, what I've seen, because I care about you, because I love you. If you're a, if you're a first-time believer, if like you're a new Christian in the last year, I want to hear this real quick. It's not like you're the, you're, the, you're the only ones that can, but you do have a special place. You can be the most effective people sometimes. Two reasons. One, because you, you are on fire, man. You are first time ever. You're like, this Jesus thing is awesome. I got to tell everybody about it. And unfortunately, you only hear older Christians or like people who've been Christians for a long time saying, I've lost my fire. What? How can we say that? And yet we say it. We, we lost it, you know, my excitement for Jesus, just, you know, like what? The life, okay, now why am I giving this to you? Trust me, this thing will change your life. Eh, but I've kind of lost my fire for it. <laughs> it's a thing, I need to continue to be an obedient Christian. As I'm being an obedient Christian, the fire keeps going because I'm experiencing the consequences, the benefits of being an obedient Christian. So if you're a first-time believer, a new believer, man, don't wait for two years till you know everything or know anything about the Bible. Just go. Share your faith now. Share your story now. Write it down and go share. Go share. Two, because you have more non-Christian friends typically than people who have been Christians for a long time. You, you typically over time begin to get more Christian friends and less non-Christian friends. So go share your story. You are uniquely lined up. God has given you some opportunities. Go share your story now before you don't. Paul. Sometimes you think you have to be the best communicator. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 2. You don't have to be the best communicator. Listen to how he describes himself. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on God's power. You know what that says to me? I mean, it's really simple. It's a lot of big words. It's awesome to hear and it's cool. At the end of the day, it says it's not about you, Mark, which is awesome. <laughs> Because if it's not about me, then that means there's a chance. I don't know if you remember that horrible, well, the movie Dumb and Dumber. So you're saying there's a chance? You know, like, there's a chance. Because it's not about me. And if it's not about me, then God's saying, I got this. It's not about you. It's not about even the other person. It's about God and what he is doing. There was a song, I think that first song we sang, it said something like, as we praise you, fear can't live here or fear dies or something like that. Think about that. The more we fix our eyes and think about God, the more all the other things that we attach ourselves to go away. They're not, they don't matter anymore. Why am I so worried about being the greatest or the best or whatever? I just, I just think about Jesus and I'm thinking, about, holy cow, thank you for this life that you've given me. And the more I think about that, the more I tend to want to share it. 
It's not about your impressiveness or your words. It's about Christ and what he is doing. So let him do what he does. But you have to make yourself willing and available. Why are we not making ourselves more willing and available? Now, just your testimony, your story, super important. But remember, your story is not the only thing people need to hear. They also need to know, what do I do? All right, so maybe they've heard our story. Like, hey, listen, man, I, I, think, I think this Jesus, I, I think I want that. I think I'm ready for that. What do I do? What, how do I respond to the gospel? Be ready to present the plan of salvation. Be ready to say, what do you do in response to this? This is so important. Here's how you go. I'm gonna, there's so many ways you can do this. This one I'm just going to share is, is 2468. Who do you appreciate plan of salvation? It's just fun to say. Sorry, I grew up. Anyways, it's 246. 246 plan of salvation. Don't worry about remembering the name of it, but it's just a, maybe a way to remember it. 246. Two verses, four facts, uh, and then six things. Three things you do, three things you get or receive. Be ready to share the plan of salvation. So we have these things called four facts uh, bookmarks, four facts of life bookmarks. Uh, you can get them out in the lobby or it's on the website as well. It's simple. It's got words on it. It's got pictures on it. You can like literally use this to have a conversation with someone. Say, hey, look at this and walk them through it. Or open up your, you know, open uh, the website up on your laptop or your phone or desktop at work or something like that. And you can walk someone through it. So just be praying for opportunities. When the opportunity affords itself, be ready to share the salvation, uh, the plan of salvation, whether it's you've memorized this or you have a resource to help you in this. Here's how I can go. It's going to be less than three minutes. Watch this. So like, hey, God loves you. First and foremost, God loves you. I don't know if you know this, but God loves you. So many times you hear about the things God doesn't like or you, people have been t- telling you things he doesn't like. I want you to know this. God loves you. Matter of fact, he loves you so much that he chose to have a relationship with you. He chose to create you and create me. He loves you more than anyone will ever even understand how to love you in this lifetime. He loves you. He absolutely loves you. But... We all choose to rebel, to disobey. And you get it because we all choose to do things that we know are wrong. And when I choose to do something that I know is wrong, God calls it sin. And it actually not just something I've done, it's something that separates me from God because God is holy and perfect. And when I do something that's wrong, I separate myself from him because he loves me, but he hates sin and can't be around sin. So I separate myself. And if I continue to live in this separation from God, that means I'm going to actually eternally be separated from God because heaven is just as real as, I mean, hell is just as real as heaven. And that's the sad news. But remember, God loves you and he loves you so much that Jesus made a way to have a right relationship with God. Even though we've done the things that we've done, God made a way because he loves you so much. And he sent Jesus, his only son. And so listen, we try to fix this relationship. We try to get right with God by doing all kinds of religion, all kinds of good deeds, but nothing we can do can fix it. It's only through what Jesus did on the cross because he was our perfect sacrifice because sin requires death and only Jesus can overcome death. So Jesus made a way. It's the only way to accept Jesus as our our Savior. He's the only way to forgiveness. Well, how do I do that? To follow Jesus. Simple as that. Just like Zacchaeus, follow Jesus. To follow Jesus. How do we follow Jesus? Oh, I forgot the verse. John 3.16. So in number three, don't forget the verse, sorry. God so loved the world, John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the gospel. God loves you so much, Jesus made a way. And then fourth, you follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Repent. Change. Instead of going my way, I go his way. And this is when I bring the second verse in. Acts 2.28. Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the Holy Spirit. So 
all of that. We just simply shared it a couple minutes. And now you can say, hey, listen, so what I just said, based on those things, here's three things that we're called to do and three things we receive. Believe. Believe that Jesus really is who he says he is. Be ready to place your trust. Like, I want to live for him. Repent. That means like a U-turn, right? No longer live for me, but I'm going to trust Jesus and, be, and, and obey God. And then be baptized. Somehow in the, going underneath that water, I'm united with his burial, death, and resurrection, and we come up a new creation in Christ. And we receive forgiveness of our sins, the gift of the Holy Spirit, God living inside of us to help us be obedient to him, and eternal life. You interested? Don't just leave it on the table. Make sure you ask for a response. Hey, so is that something that's interest you? Does that sound like something that God's doing right now in your life? Do you want to say yes to Jesus? Hey, do you believe that Jesus really is God's son and he died on the cross for you? Do you believe that he rose from the dead? Do you believe that you are a sinner and you need a savior and Jesus is that? Okay, then let's get baptized. What's waiting? I mean, what's stopping us? Call the church. We'll open up as soon as we can. Or find a body of water between Lake Erie and their bathtub and just dunk them right there, right? And when you do, if they're ready and they say yes, then just ask them, hey, do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Receive him as your Lord and savior. Yeah, you're sure someone from here can baptize them, but isn't it awesome when the person who shares faith with them, the, the gospel with them gets to dunk them as well? That's amazing. Are we praying for this opportunity? Are we preparing ourselves for this opportunity? Are we even thinking about other people? Because I'm not thinking about them and naturally we're just bent to think about ourselves. And if we're not thinking about others, then you're gonna miss lots of opportunities. We are gonna miss lots of opportunities. Finally, you can always invite people to church too. Invite people to church. Invite people to your small group. The small groups that you're in so they can get to know some people. Have these conversations, life-giving conversations about some of the most important things in the world. In the world. The truth is we want to partner with you because this church will only be as evangelistic as you are. As uncommonly evangelistic you are, that's how uncommonly evangelistic the church will be. And the waters of baptism will be stirred for maybe another 29 years as long as we are. That's the way it works because we're in this together. God's called all of us. I want to ask you a question. We've done this. We do this somewhat, you know, every once in a while. Uh, feel free to raise your hand. Like, hey, how, the first time you went to a church... Um, how many of you went to a church because you got an invitation from someone? Whether it's personal, phone, call, text, whatever. All right. And then how many of you, when you gave your life to Christ, it was because someone personally invested in you and invited you to have a relationship with Christ? Anybody? Okay. Almost every time we ask this, like half or more people. That's the way it works. I'm not going to because naturally I don't like to be told what to do. And I have a bent against it. So we have to be unnatural and let the Holy Spirit do its work and say, I will make myself available. God, use me. And it starts with prayer. Like pray every single day. God, use me. Give me an opportunity today. Let me see the opportunities for what they are. And then our big idea. It's really simple. Be a soul winner. Share your faith. Listen, share your faith. Share your faith. God never said you had to do it perfectly. God never said you're expected for the outcomes. He just said share your faith and he will do the part that he does. Are you doing your part? Let's do our part to win down the river to Christ. Let's be excited about our part. Let's realize what our part is. And if you've never said yes to Jesus, then today we want to extend an invitation to you. Maybe you're here in person or online. Text us your name, email us your name. The info will be on the screen. We'd love to begin a conversation with you. Let's you find Christ, those three things. Believe, repent, be baptized for forgiveness of your sins, get the Holy Spirit, and eternal life.
Here's what I'm doing. I'm going to pray. And during this prayer, I'm going to give a prayer for everybody. Uh, so I encourage you to invite, to join in this prayer, like, because God is listening right now wherever you are. So let's pray. God, thank you so much, first and foremost, for loving us, for giving us an example through Jesus Christ of not just what you look like and what you need or want from us, but also just of love, like real uh, a love. And what evangelism, what actually sharing your faith looks like. So God, right now there's a couple of groups here. One, there's some of us that have never said yes to Jesus. And maybe right now we've never heard this before or in this way. And so maybe today's the day that we're ready, like Zacchaeus, to say, I want salvation to come into my house because I know that I've been doing my thing. But I want to trust you from here on out, Jesus. I'm ready to say yes to Jesus, that you are the Lord of my life. And I want to obey you and you alone. If that's you, then make sure, please reach out to someone so we can help you take those next steps in your faith. Or maybe there's some of us that are just believers and honestly we just know that we've been disobedient. We have not been living obedient lifestyles which has been demonstrated in our lack of excitement and exuberance for the gospel. Or we've been living obedient lives but we just have not been obedient to this command to go and share my faith. Haven't even been on my ra- hasn't even been on our radar. God, convict us through your Holy Spirit to reignite. And your conviction, yes, recognizes that we're guilty of not doing what you've asked us to do but you're conviction leads us to your mercy and kindness so I pray that all of us would leave here today excited about the opportunity that we get to play in winning the world back to Christ the work that you came to do to seek and to save that which was lost and it's in Jesus name that I pray amen alright here's what we're going to do we're going to sing so please stand with us online please stand during this time it's an opportunity for you to respond for all of us to be recommitted to this mission to win downriver, let's make it as hard as we can to go to hell from downriver, from your communities, from your workplaces, from your schools. Let's take as many as we can to heaven. What we have is what people need. So please, let's share our faith.